Well, I'm excited about this series. I have never taught this. I've taught on the Holy Spirit many times, but not this, not these things. Uh, I've never taught on the personality of the Holy Spirit. And I've been amazed at how much is in the Bible on the personality of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see tonight that He's a person. And I want us to, uh, since I'm not opening up with a verse, I do want us to bow for prayer for a moment and just ask God to bless this. And then I'm going to just talk to you for a minute about the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to look at a lot of the Bible tonight. And we're going to learn the incredible gift that God gave us. Father, we just thank you that none of us are here tonight except for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. None of us have been born again apart from Him. We would never have turned to your Son except for Him. And every day He strengthens and guides and counsels and helps us. We thank you for that great gift, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray as the pastor of this church, I pray over this people right now that this will be a people knowledgeable of the Holy Spirit, who walk in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit, who understand this great gift. And I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes tonight, for illuminating us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do this. Let's go ahead and look at it. Uh, The personality of the Holy Spirit. This is part two of the ministry of the Holy Spirit series. Next week, I'm going to talk about the deity of the Holy Spirit. And it is good stuff. I wanted to fit it in tonight, but there really wasn't time or room. So let's do this. The gift of the Holy Spirit, said Samuel Chadwick, is the crowning mercy of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you can remember the day and the hour the Holy Spirit first touched your heart and the love of God was poured out in your heart by the Holy Ghost that was given to you? And how it changed you. You know, I shared with you last week that the church of Jesus Christ was born on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said, don't go preach. Don't take my message. Don't go to the highways and the hedges. Don't do anything until the Holy Spirit has touched you. And you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I used to think power to preach, and that's true. But I now know it's also power to survive in this world, power to make it in this world, power to stay clean in this world, power to walk with God in a backslidden generation. I mean, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Today He spoke to you. Today He counseled most of you. Today He probably saved you from something you don't even know about. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And so, Bible teacher Arthur Pink, who is one of the very best on the subject of the Holy Spirit, wrote this, until the Holy Spirit is again given His rightful place in our hearts, thoughts, and activities, there can be no improvement, talking about in the church, until it be recognized that we are entirely dependent upon His operations for all spiritual blessing, the root of the trouble cannot be reached. Until the Holy Spirit is honored, sought, and counted upon, the present spiritual drought must continue. We don't need fancier church programs or more expensive edifices. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost to move. We need for Him to be breathed upon the Western world. 
We need a real revival, not what somebody calls revival, but a real one. And that comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. I so agree with Pink's words. As we're about to see, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force, breath, or some ethereal spiritual fog that sort of settles down over a place. He is a person with all the characteristics and attributes of a person. There is God the Father, and there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is in this room right now is not just some impersonal force. Like in Star Wars, may the force be with you. And some people treat him like a force. He's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person, every bit as much a person as was Jesus Christ, who was a person. And God, who though he is a spirit, is a person, is a personality. The Holy Ghost is a personality, a person who lives in us and who we walk with and who we talk with. I find interesting Paul's words when he closed out one of his letters. He said, may the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That's not talking about a force. That's talking about may the communion of a person called the Holy Ghost be with you. He wants us to get to know Him. He wants us to learn to listen to Him. He wants us to learn that inside of us is a person who can be communicated with. And I'm not saying pray to the Holy Ghost. We're to pray to God through Jesus Christ or to Christ. I think every once in a while I say, Holy Spirit, help me here. But I'm saying there is a person who has been sent to live inside of us And very important, we understand this. The Holy Spirit has all the characteristics of a personality, such as intelligence, understanding, and He has a will. Now, first thing we see as we just kind of scan the New Testament is that Paul taught that the Holy Spirit possesses understanding. The Holy Spirit possesses understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, to search out something is an act of understanding. And the Spirit is said to search because He knows. Look what it says in the next verse 11. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. Now, folks, please follow me here. I want us to understand that like when I walk in to do a service, I'm not walking in with Jeff's agenda. I I try my best to presuppose nothing. I wait and see what the Spirit does because I know the Holy Spirit is a person with understanding and a will and who has knowledge and He moves in a service. And you never know what he's going to do. So I try to keep an open check. I try to keep a, I try to keep my own thoughts laid aside because I don't want anything getting in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do because he has knowledge. He has understanding. And isn't it interesting that he knows the thoughts of God. So the spirit living inside of you is fully aware of God's purposes for you. He knows the thoughts of God. Everything you pray about, he already knows. This is why he can intercede for us, because he knows the thoughts of God. He knows the mind of God. 
The Spirit has a will. Oh, let me read verse 11. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. That is so powerful. The Spirit has a will, which is the most distinguishing characteristic of a true person. If you got a person, you got somebody with a will, and the Holy Spirit has a will. For instance, uh, speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, Paul writes, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each person individually just as He wills. So whatever gift God has given you, it was the, it, the, the Spirit of God willed it. It was His will. When, when I got saved and God touched me, the Holy Spirit just said, all right, He's going to teach and preach. And He willed it, and He gave me that gift. When you got saved, Peter tells us that the Holy Spirit gave to you a gift as He willed. He's got a will. He's a person. So whatever God has laid on your heart, and I find it interesting that I've noticed this, that whatever the Holy Spirit gives you according to, to His will, whatever He decides to give you in the body of Christ, He gives you a burning desire to do it. He gives you a desire to do it. I call it the divine want to do. The divine want to do. The divine want to do. That's what He does. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you and me on a level that I'm telling you we are not aware of, not fully. The Holy Spirit loves, and only a person does that. The Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit to strive together in your prayers to God for me. Notice the phrase, I've got it underlined, for the love of the Spirit. The Spirit loves. Uh, Paul talks in Romans about when we got saved, God poured out in our hearts His love by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So one of the signs of having been adopted by God is the Holy Ghost comes to live inside of us, and when He does, He loves us. You have within you not a spirit of fear, not a spirit of confusion, not a spirit of hate, not a spirit of prejudice, but a spirit of love. The Holy Ghost loves us. Amen. Like any person, the Holy Spirit can be the receiver of an action. He is the object of the actions of men as none but a person can be. Now, here is where I want to, this particularly ministered to me. You know, it changes, it changes your walk if you think this way. God is living inside of you. God. In the person of His Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the house of the Holy Spirit. He does not dwell in bricks and stones and mortar and steel and wood anymore. He's not living in the inner sanctum of the Holy of Holies. He's not. We have become the Holy of Holies. Us. And you know, that is so amazing that God has invested His Holy Spirit to live inside of such imperfect creatures. It's a huge investment. It is a huge investment. So everywhere you go, He goes with you. You take Him with you. Everything you say, He's involved in it. Because you can't separate Him from you 
any more than you can step out of a fog that is around you five miles wide. So what he's about to tell us is that because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, our actions and the actions of others affect him. Not it, but him. And so you go, all right, now, do I want to take Jesus into this? Do I really want to take the Holy Ghost into this? It's a trust. Now, we can test and lie to, according to the Bible, we can test and lie to the Holy Spirit. You remember when uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and I'm going to read it in just a moment, but Ananias and Sapphira had sold some land in the book of Acts at the beginning of the church after Pentecost had just taken place. I'll just tell you a real quick story here so you're not looking at the print. Now, they, they, they had said they were going to give it to the church. And nobody made them give it to the church. This is what was happening organically. Uh, uh, as people received the Lord, they just wanted to give what they had to people in need. It was really sort of a, it almost sounded like communism, but it wasn't. It was the moving of the Holy Ghost because they had all things equal. But this one couple said, well, we're going to sell this plot of land and we're going to give it to the church. But, but they held some of it back. Now, Peter is about to tell them, we never told you to give it all to us. You said you were going to. And now you're coming in here and you're saying, you did it. And what happened here, I've often thought, thank God, God's not moving this way in the church now. Because we'd all be dead, being dragged out. But I want you to notice that Peter, though, though Ananias said to the man Peter, or to the, yeah, to the man Peter, yeah, we sold it all, here's the money. Look at what Peter said. He said, how could you agree... Now this is, I'm sorry, drop down to the last verse because this one is first. In Acts 5, 3, at the bottom, Peter told Ananias that he had lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. No, Peter, I told you that we had sold it all. But the Holy Spirit was inside of Simon Peter. And so the Holy Spirit received the action of Ananias. And so Peter said, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And when he said that, Ananias dropped dead. And it said fear fell on the whole church. Guarantee if that happened some, in this church this week, nobody would turn up on Sunday. <laughs> We'd lose the church. Well, they're dropping dead over there. They're not just being slain. They get slain and don't get back up. Now, the wife came in later, Sapphira. And Sapphira said... Peter said to her, did you sell the land? Is this all of the proceeds from the land? She said, yes. And Peter said, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And she had time to turn around and see the feet standing at the door, and she dropped dead. Now notice, this is how real the Holy Spirit was to Peter, and I want it to be this real to you and me. That he said, you did not lie. This couple, you, Ananias and Sapphira, you didn't lie. You didn't conspire together against me. But I have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, the person, is moving in this church. And you, in essence, lied to him. 
So how can an impersonal force, a quality, an essence be lied to or tested? It can't. You can't lie to the wind. You can't tell a story to the rushing water. It's an impersonal force. But you can lie to a person. And you can only lie to a person. I can't lie to my dog. Ollie, you're a cat. He doesn't care what I say to him. <laughs> but see, you, you can only lie to a person. And my only point is the Holy Spirit can be lied to and he can be tested. Because he's a person and he's living inside you and me. Now the Bible says he can be grieved. In Ephesians 4.30, we're exhorted not to grieve the Holy Spirit. How ridiculous it would be to talk about grieving the law of gravity or some other impersonal thing. You can't. You can only grieve a person. And so don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't do what you know is going to vex the Holy Spirit. Let me just ask you a question. We're all church people here tonight um, and, and saved. Now, how, tell the truth. Was there any time this week that you felt the check of the Holy Spirit, like maybe if you continued in something, you were going to be grieving him or you did grieve him? And you knew it. I did. I didn't mean to. But I started running off of the mouth about something. And God checked me and said, what are you saying? And I said, oh, man. And I felt grieved. And I just stopped. I said, Lord, forgive me. I grieve the Holy Spirit. See, it's very different. When you're not saved, all you've got is a shadow of a conscience that God gave man long ago in the Garden of Eden. The conscience is possessed by lost people until it's finally snuffed out by sin. But when you get saved and you get the Holy Spirit, your conscience, you have a conscience to the 10th power. There is a spirit, a person living inside of you who you can grieve that before you were saved, he was not there to grieve. You just dealt with your own guilt in however way you did. But now we got the Holy Spirit, and now it's a sin against Him. Now we're acting either in his, with His blessing or with His disapproval. This is why it's so important. Don't make any decisions where you lose the peace of the Holy Spirit. It says you pray about everything. You give everything to God, and God's peace, which passes all understanding, will guard, act like an umpire over your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And that means the Holy Spirit is inside of you, that person, and he sees and knows the decisions we're making. And they can be financial. They can be relational. They can be uh, uh, some kind of a decision that involves sin. And he will speak and he will say, no, no, no. And he'll take his peace away. And you're not just dealing with your conscience that you used to have. Now you're dealing with a person inside of you. And the umpire is there saying, ball, out. Don't do it. And if you deny it and you go against it, you'll pay. You'll pay in either big consequences or small, but anything that grieves him is, is, a, is a significant consequence. You'll pay. So I think once you learn that he's a person inside of you and he's not there to give you a bad day or to make life miserable, the only time the Holy Ghost makes life miserable, church, is if we as believers get away from God. Then he makes life miserable. 
But as long as we're doing what pleases him, he gives us incredible peace, incredible joy. I mean, the burden of sin is lifted off of our shoulders. Because see, we all now have within us a person. Now, so don't grieve him. Hebrews 10.29 says that we can insult the Holy Spirit. How much more severely, the writer of Hebrews says, do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and read the last part with me, can you, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? You can insult him. I think God gets insulted when we know better about something and we try to act as if we did not. I think that insults him. I think God is down there inside of us saying, God the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, you know better than this. And we say, no, not, not, not really. I'm not really sure about this. I just don't know. And, and we, we really kind of play games with the knowledge that we have. And it's sort of like, have you ever told somebody, hey, stop it, you're insulting my intelligence? I think sometimes the Holy Spirit says, stop it. You're insulting me. You know better. And I know you know better. We both here right now know you know better. So don't insult me and play dumb. Amen, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to get this CD and I'm going to listen. See, insult the Spirit of grace. We can insult the Spirit of grace, the Holy Ghost. And you know, the Bible says that personal actions are attributed to him. He, the person, acts. I think the book of Acts is not the acts of the apostles, it's the acts of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. The book of Acts is just the acts of the Holy Spirit moving through the apostles. And chapter 28 did not end the acts of the Holy Spirit. You are an act of the Holy Spirit. But look what it says. He speaks. The Spirit, Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, the Spirit clearly, what everybody, says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Here's Paul walking with God and the Holy Spirit just started talking to him. And you know, I'm learning, I got to tell you, I'm learning that there are times the Holy Ghost just sort of zooms in and starts talking to me. And I've learned that when he does that, man, I used to, I would stay busy and, you know, yeah, 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 okay, you know, kind of think of 10 different things while, while over time he was ministering. Now, when I can tell he's starting to talk to me about something, I stop everything and I just say, what are you saying to me? Because he talks. Now, how does he talk? He can talk usually, usually, uh, his word aside... If he starts talking to you in your heart, it's an impression. It's just a little impression. And, and, and it comes from the still, quiet place of your spirit. God just, in a still, small voice, just talks, says something, impresses you with something. And it's almost like with that one impression, he can say a lot. He impresses you with something. And it's that still, small voice. It's not intrusive. It's not bombastic. It's not, uh, it doesn't take your peace away. He just talks to you about something. And when he starts talking to you about something, we need to listen. 
He'll talk to you about relationships. He'll talk to you about your money. He'll, he'll put somebody on your heart. Say, call them or, or pray for them. Um, he doesn't do this a whole lot with me. I, I, I don't, I can't tell you that this happens all, usually it's the word talking to me. But when he does, there is always a compelling reason. And he wants me to perk up and listen. And I listen. You know? And, and, and uh, so I sit before him every day and I'll say, Lord, now I'm done with my word and I'm done praying. Now, is there anything you want to say to me? And I'll wait. Because to me, prayer is two-way. If he doesn't talk to me by his spirit, I, he's at least going to talk to me through his word. If he had not talked to me at all, I haven't had a good time with God. So it's not every day, but boy, when he, sometimes, rarely, God can speak out of an audible spirit, an audible voice. If you're hearing that all the time, (laughs) come see me afterwards and I have somebody I want you to meet. (laughs) If you're hearing that all the time. Uh, uh, I think God can speak in dreams. And you can dream about something. Uh, And I've had prophetic dreams in my life. Uh, Not very many of them. But every prophetic dream I've ever had came true frighteningly accurately. Just to the T. God, and this is all I want you to know tonight. He speaks. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. When? After the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Because he speaks. Jesus said, he will not speak of himself, but he will speak of me, and he will show you things to come. He speaks. And since he knows everything that God knows, he knows all the secrets of God, you never know what he's going to minister to you. When he does speak to you, it'll be redemptive, it'll have a purpose, and it'll be to the glory of God. He will not speak to you and put his sanction on a wrong relationship. He will not speak to you if you're praying about whether or not you should try a drug. We need to understand that the, the voice of God is always going to lead to the glory of God. And it's always going to be redemptive. And it's never going to go against his word. Okay? But he speaks. He speaks. <clears throat> he said in Revelations to John, he that has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I want you to say with me, I've got an ear. Because the minute you got saved, what did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice. And they what? Follow me. So the minute you got saved, God gave you an ear to hear. Amen. Uh, He teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit said, Jesus will teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. In the hour of persecution, he will teach you what you ought to say. Jesus said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will what, everybody? Teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance or remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, that verse is how we got the Gospels, the four Gospels. You say, how did these simple blue-collar fishermen remember everything Jesus said? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus said when he falls, he's going to bring to your memory 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything that I have said to you. And you're going to put them down. So the, that Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that long sermon on the mount, how did Matthew remember all of that? By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would bring it all to his remembrance. See how helpless we are without the Holy Spirit? He commands or he exercises authority. The Holy Ghost exercises authority. A striking proof of this is found in Acts 13 too. You remember the disciples have been fasting and praying, and suddenly the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He wasn't saying you might want to think about it or pray about it, or is anybody willing to go? I'm, take, I'm taking, I'm taking uh, anybody who wants to join up, I'm going to send them. No, he said, separate me. Barnabas and, or, yeah, Barnabas and Saul. And he commanded by authority that those were the two that went out on the mission field. And when you get called, never, never, never do anything in ministry unless there is a separate me. And the Holy Ghost touches you and tells you to do it. You don't want to be in ministry. You got nothing to minister if he has not touched you and sent you. Separate to me. So who are they walking into the mission field with and by? The Holy Ghost, separate to me. Amen. You know, when Kathy and I came to Fort Worth, we prayed. We, we got a hotel and looked out the window of that hotel in downtown Fort Worth, and we prayed. We prayed hard and long. God, is this where you want us to go? We felt the Holy Spirit separating us and saying, here. Never would have come without it. He intercedes in prayer. How many of you are glad for that? He intercedes. He's a person. Look what it says. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. As the intercession of Christ proves Jesus to be a person and a distinct one from the Father to whom he intercedes, so the intercession of the Spirit proves his personality, his distinct personality. Picture inside of you a person on their knees who know everything because they are God the Spirit and they're praying for you. What are you doing down there, Holy Spirit? I'm praying for you. What are you praying? If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Well, tell me a little bit of it. It'd ruin you if I told you. You can't handle it. That's why I'm praying. Do you know how many times, because of his prayers, things that would have happened to you didn't? How many times, because of his prayers, there was an angel posted when you would have been in big trouble? How many times, because of his prayers, where you would have walked away from God and stayed gone, he prayed you back. How many times he moved on someone else, pray for them. Join me in praying for them. And because of the ministry of the whole church, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's over with. But because of his ministry, we've got somebody praying for us all the time. Amen. 
personal characteristics are attributed to the Holy Spirit. Four different times the Lord Jesus referred to the Spirit as the Comforter and not merely as comfort. Inanimate things like a blanket on a cold night may give us comfort, but only a living person can be a comforter or one who comforts. When it started getting cold here recently, I woke up at 3 in the morning freezing. Kathy's all curled up in a ball. I went all through the house looking for our comforter blanket. Finally, I found it. Went in and covered everybody up, and she kind of looked at me like, thank you, though she didn't even say it to me. Sort of like, I'm glad you got up and walked through the cold house. But see, that blanket, that blanket was a comfort, but the blanket could not be a comforter like a person. The Holy Ghost is called comforter. He's a person. Amen. He is the witness. The writer of Hebrews said the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. Paul wrote to the Romans saying the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit of God is inside of you saying to you, you're a child of God. He's a witness. He's a testifier. He tells you the truth. He's a witness. Uh, witness in these verses is a forensic term denoting the supplying of valid evidence or legal proof. Obviously, only an intelligent agent is capable of discharging such an office. The Holy Ghost is a witness. Can you say with me, I get a witness? Can I get a witness? The preacher will say, Can I get a witness? And if the Holy Ghost is in you, you say, Yeah, I witness to that. Because the same Spirit is inside all of us, and when you preach the Word of God, He witnesses to it. Amen. <laughs> He's our justifier and sanctifier. But you are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and what, everybody? By the Spirit of God. Sanctify means to set apart. Set apart for a particular use. The Holy Ghost as soon as we get saved, he sets us aside for a, we become God's China. Set aside. When the kids are sitting around on a Saturday morning watching TV and eating hot dogs, you don't go to the China cabinet and get the China for them to put their hot. It's only when special guests come over that you want to impress, that you want to really bless. You pull out the China then. And until then, that China is separated for a special use. Well, the Holy Ghost separates you and me for a special godly use. Amen. And so when he sees your purpose has come to fruition and wants to move you into what he has called you to do, he brings you out of the china cabinet and he uses you for a special use. And the Holy Ghost is the sanctifier. Now last, personal pronouns are used about him. This is real important if you're dealing with the Greek language. Watch this now. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, pneuma, the, the P is silent, pneuma. And pneuma is neuter. It's not, it has no gender, not female, not male. There's no gender with pneuma. It is, it's, it is neuter. But the Holy Spirit is spoken of in the masculine gender. When it says Holy Spirit, it gives spirit in the Greek language a masculine ending. I'm sorry, feminists of the world. 
And I'll tell you, it drives me crazy when I hear about these places. And I'm so glad this is going out over the radio. These so-called seminaries, teachers of the Bible who have caved into the culture, and now they pray to God as she or he, she, and don't relegate to him what the language gives to him. He is masculine in gender, in Hebrew and Greek. And it's not a slight against women. And I think that it's a terrible cop-out to let God be prayed to as she. Because that is, that is, if you're talking about coming from the Bible, if you're talking about coming from the Bible, there is nowhere in this Bible you can come up with she, God. That's female goddess worship, and, and we're not going there. The Holy Spirit, it's, it's a masculine ending. Holy Spirit, and it's He. Now look at what Jesus, Jesus settles the whole question, in my opinion. The Comforter said Jesus in John 14, 26, which is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. Read the next part with me, would you? He shall teach you all things. If it was neuter, Jesus would have said, it shall teach you all things. But he didn't, he said he. The personal pronoun could not, without violating grammar rules, be applied to any other but a person. Referring to him again, Jesus said, if I depart, I will what, everybody? Send him to you, not it, him. There is no other alternative than to regard the Holy Spirit as a person. He's a person. He's a person. So here it is in recap real quickly. The Holy Spirit has all the characteristics of a personality. Like any person, the Holy Spirit can be the receiver of an action. You can grieve him. You can make him uh, feel joy. You can feel peace or you can take the peace away. You can insult him. Personal actions are attributed to him. Personal characteristics are attributed to him, and personal pronouns are used about him. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. And that spirit is here tonight. And when you drive home, that spirit, that person is living inside of you. And if you worship the Lord, that person is manifested and blesses you. Thank God for the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And do you believe with me when I tell you? We're going to see next week. The Holy Spirit is deity. The Holy Spirit is God. And I'm going to tell you how there could be a God the Father and a God the Son and a God the Holy Ghost. Three separate persons, yet still one. And we're going to talk about it next week. So let's stand, can we? So doesn't it make more sense now, church, when you hear Paul say, may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hey, you're walking with a person. Doesn't it make more sense when Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, I will send the comforter, the person of the Holy Ghost to you. And he's moving all over the world right now as we speak. Father, we just thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. He has come to live inside of us. We can insult him, we can grieve him, or we can give him joy. Lord, we are taking him with us. He, it is who calls us, anoints us, gives us gifts as he wills. 
And we just thank you for that wonderful person, that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless this people with peace, the peace of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit, that you will speak to us, help us to fellowship with you by the Spirit, help us to strengthen ourselves in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we confess to you our weakness, our utter inability to do anything apart from you. May the Spirit of God be increasingly manifested in our services and in this city and in this country and this world. Thank you for the salvation of so many souls. And Holy Spirit, as we sang in the beginning, you are welcome in this place. Steve, can you slip up and let's just sing that before we leave, can we? Just a cappella would be great. You want to do it from right back there? That's fine, but let's just do it right now. Holy Spirit.